Our statement of faith, this is my Bible. It is the word of truth. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can. I'm a believer and not a doubter. I'm a doer, not just a hearer. I'm humble before the Lord. I'm obedient to the Lord. I am mature in the Lord. I'm enthusiastic about the Lord. I know that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. Amen. The scripture says this, reading from the New King James translation of the Bible, Matthew chapter 5, verse 48. It says, therefore, somebody say therefore. therefore. Now, therefore means that there were some other things said before this that set this scripture up, but I'm not going to deal with that today. So, you know, when we get to, to the end of this, I'll tell you what that therefore is referenced to. But what's important in this is that God sets a high expectation from us in this scripture. He says, therefore, you shall be, somebody shout perfect. perfect. You shall be, perfect. somebody say it again, you shall be. Perfect. I know we're living in a world that don't like to use the word perfect when it comes to us trying to live. But God said, you shall be. Perfect. Now I'm going to explain what God means when he say perfect, but it ain't too far from the way we look at it in the world. Now let me say this. When it comes to the things of the world, I know some folks used to shoot for perfect attendance at school. Didn't nobody go to school and say, I'm going to miss 10 or 15 days. They would shoot for perfect attendance. And some kids are smart enough to shoot for straight A's. And I know some baseball players that pitch, when they get on the mound, they think they're going to pitch a no. They, they're looking to get a perfect game. And if you go to Alabama and you play football, I don't believe Nick start off saying, we're just going to go five and five. I believe he believed that if it's possible, we're going to get a perfect. So if we can look for perfection in things outside of God, why we can't we look for perfection when it comes to? Y'all better hear me today. I know that word scares, perfect scares some people. It says, therefore you shall be said like you're not afraid. Just as your father in heaven. Good God Almighty. Y'all may be seated. Let me begin by uh, giving a special thanks and shout out to uh, the minister that has stood in the gap this past several weeks. Uh, uh, special thanks to Minister Adrian Daniels, Minister Melvin Davis, uh, Minister Cliff Greer, and Minister Rodney Perry. Thank you guys for your continued love and support to this ministry and all the things that you do to serve God and his people. My heart is truly uh, grateful for all that you do. Well, today we're going to begin a series that says, In Pursuit of Perfection. In pursuit, you know, last week Rodney talked about pursuing. And pursuing, you know, ain't nothing wrong with chasing it. I mean, why pursue mediocrity and average and subpar when you can pursue something higher? In pursuit of perfection. Pursuit means to follow after in order to overtake, to chase, or to strive for. So if you're going to shoot for something, shoot for the highest mark. And if you hit excellence on the way up, you're going to be all right. But you shouldn't hit subpar if you're a child of God. Amen. Now, now, perfection from a biblical viewpoint, number one, means to complete, to be complete and mature in various applications of labor, growth, mental, and moral character. 
In the Old Testament, you're going to see the word that we use today in self faith is to be blameless and upright. It also means to be complete in integrity, meaning wholeheartedly devoted uh, to God. That's why in some passages of the scripture in the Old Testament, when it says someone was completely loyal to God, they're talking about their heart was wholeheartedly devoted to him, and their heart was perfect toward God. It means to reach an end, to complete, or to become full grown. As Christians, we are striving to grow up. Amen. See, as Christians, it's important for us to understand, as Christians, perfection is the ideal and aim where we strive to grow, to mature, and to become complete in Jesus. We realize that absolute perfection is beyond any human or finite being's reach. But we strive for it. It is the goal for the Christian life. See, in this life, we cannot be completely flawless, but we can aspire to be as much like Jesus as possible. Y'all hear me today? We realize, God knows you can't be completely flawless. You was born flawed, all because of Adam. Adam was born in the image and likeness of God, so that means that when Adam was born, he was perfect. But when sin came in, Adam put us in a position that everybody born after him was born him. So God know you're imperfect, but he don't want you to stay imperfect. He wants you to shoot for. See, as Christians, we must, start, we start out weak and untrained. But as we grow in Jesus, we get XP. I learned that from the gamers. I, I've been hanging out there with some, some, you know, you get experience points, you know, that will take you to the next level as you pursue perfection. You know, I, I play this little game called Wordscape, and when I started out, I was at level one. You know, but now I'm at level 191. Now, y'all hear me understand this striving for perfection or pursuing perfection. Now, when I was dealing with level one to 50, most of the words was three and four letters. I just knock them out like that. I didn't even read the instructions of what all the game came with. But then when I got up to level 150, the words started to be four and five letter words. And then they threw some six letter words in there. It took me 15, 20 minutes to figure out those sometimes. Then when I got to level 191, I hit one that I couldn't complete. And then I had to start reading up on the game, Faith. And I found out that there was a little button on the game called Hint. Give me a hint. I want to go to the next level, but in order to get there, I need a hint. And I hit the Hint button, and it showed me the next letter, and then I go on, and now I'm at level 191. And I'm here to tell you, some of y'all just need a hint. God didn't say you got to a point in your life, but right now you need a hint that will take you to the, in your pursuit of perfection. God don't intend for you to stay where you are. He intends for you to go to the next level. In the, in the game world, they say it's time to level up. It's time for some of y'all to level up. You've been at that level too long. You're here today, and the word of God is going to give you a hint how you can go to the... Now, absolute perfection is a divine ideal, in other words, God's ideal, 
forever shining before us, calling us upward and challenging us to make endless progression as we live in the earth. In other words, we are continually pressing toward the mark of the upward call in Christ Jesus. Now, because of sin in the world, Christians will only realize true absolute perfection in heaven. But the exhortation from Scripture encourages us to continue to strive for our pursuit of perfection in this life. And our tendency to sin must never deter us from the pursuit of perfection in this life. In other words, God already knows you're going to make a mistake somewhere along the way. But when you make that mistake, you shouldn't allow that, allow that to hinder you to continue to pursue perfection in this life. See, Jesus expects all his disciples to excel, to rise above mediocrity, and to strive to be mature and complete in every area of our life, becoming more like him. So that's why I tell you it is time for some of us to level up. See, see, God does not expect his children to live subpar, substandard, below average, and inferior. He expects us to strive to live blameless and mature lives as we journey through this life and earth. Get this. Many of us, since we have been saved, have enough XP to go to the next level. In other words, you'd have been coming to church long enough to know how to get to the... You'd have been praying long enough to know how to get to the, you done been to enough Bible studies major to know how to get to the next level. You done praised and you done worshiped God long enough to know how to get to the next level. It's just time for you to level. We got to understand that we start on the floor, but our goal is the ceiling. And if you hit a light on the way up to the ceiling, you're going in the right direction. But never take your eye off the ceiling. Because that is your end game. That is your goal. So often, we settle for the floor when God wants us to be shooting for the ceiling. Now, you can use a lot of analogies in there. You know, as I was trying to bring this thing and make it plain, you can use a ladder. You can use shoot for the stars. You know, shoot for the stars. Don't, don't, why are you going to shoot for a little shrub when you can shoot for the stars? I mean, why are you going to stay on the first rung of the ladder major when there's 20 other steps to go? And, and if, you, if you get cut off at 18, at least you're better than you were when you was on level, level one. Amen. So therefore, perfection of the goal is the aim that we shoot for. And if we shoot for it, I believe God will provide us the things that we need to go to the next level. Look at this. Go to Genesis chapter Chapter 6. Genesis chapter 6. Here we see God's creation, mankind, because of Adam and, you know, sin was running rampant in the world. I mean, sin was so bad that, you know, it broke God's heart to the point that he said, man, their activities are so bad out there, I regret I even made man. I mean, I, I'm sorry that I made them. And, and God was to the point where he was going to destroy every living being. But he found a man who was blameless and perfect in his generation. And his name was Noah. And, and what I want you to see and to retain from this is that in order to effectively pursue perfection, 
in your generation. You have to walk in close relationship and fellowship with God. You're not going to get there apart from God. You're only going to get there as you walk with God. And so look at this, what what it says here in verse 9 and 10, uh, uh, 8 and 9, it says this. But Noah, and if you read all that before that, that but changed thing, because all before that was some negative stuff. And I didn't, you know, I just didn't want y'all to read. Y'all read that on your own, what God was about to do and what he was going to destroy. I mean, I mean, he, you know, man was so bad that God was going to kill creeping thing. I mean, you know you done upset God when he's not only going to kill you, but he's going to kill creeping thing. But the Bible says, but Noah. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Now look at this. This is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man. Somebody said just man. Perfect in his generation. Now look at this. And the Bible says Noah walked with God. Now you are living in your generation. And the question is, how are you walking with God in your generation? See, because if you're walking with God in a perfect way in your generation, then you could be an example for the generation that you're living in. But if you're living just like everybody else in the generation, then God ain't going to find favor in you to be able to use you to influence the generation you're living in. So if some of you are here today and listen to me online, it's because God expects you to be an influence in your generation. You ought to be an example to them to show them what perfection looked like or what striving for it looked like or what pursuing it looked like. The generation is looking for somebody that will represent God. And, but we cannot shrink back and not represent him and blend in with the generation until we no longer stand out. I'm pretty sure Noah stood out in his generation. That's why he got God's attention because he was standing out in the generation. Now, just because the Bible says Noah uh, 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 was perfect in his generation, it don't mean that Noah was without sin. Because you read on, you know, Noah had a little too much wine one time. You know, and somehow, you know, it's really complicated what the Bible means, say, when his son walked in and saw his nakedness because he had done got drunk. Now, there's many interpretations of that. It is not my desire to talk about that today, but I'm just saying that God used imperfect people to strive for Paul. Amen. So, therefore, if he could use Noah, he can use Noah was blameless in his generation. And you know what? Because Noah was living righteous in his generation, you know, he was living righteous, Tim, when righteousness wasn't trending. You know, righteousness wasn't fashionable. It wasn't in vogue. You know, it wasn't the rage of the day. In other words, you know, Noah probably wouldn't be, hey, Latham, you know, he wouldn't be trending on Twitter right now. You know, wouldn't nobody be, no, you know, everybody else is part and out there cutting the food and Noah over here trying to live right, trying to live there. Ain't nobody going to be hitting this page. You know, that may be some of y'all right now. You wonder why you ain't got no friends. They ain't hitting your page because you ain't talking foolishness. You're talking righteousness. You got too many friends that follow you. You may need to check what you're putting out there. No, your friend don't need to see you dressed like that. I mean, you know, I, had, I got to introduce to Facebook now because we got a Facebook page in the church. And all kind of folks be hitting our page. And when someone hit the page, I'm saying, man, look, do these guys realize they just sent this to a church? 
They send me a notification. That's what I'm doing right now. Because they're trending. They want to trend. And so what we got to do, we got to counter that by sending righteousness out there. We got to put some righteous posts out there. Now, I'm not trying to tell you you got to be holier than thou, but you got to be an example in the generation that you're living in. And the generation that we're living in is out there on Facebook and Twitter and all those places. Then you need to be trending out there for God. Trying to live upright and blameless before him. This is your generation. It's up to you to level up in your generation. You don't have the next generation to worry about. This is your generation. This is your time. Use the time that God has given you to pursue perfection in your generation. Don't be afraid of that word perfection. Amen. I mean, when we name the church striving for perfection, folks used to come at me all the time. Ain't nobody perfect. I know that. We didn't say we were perfect. We said we striving for. I mean, we shooting for. We're trying to grow up. We're trying to be mature. We're trying to be complete. So if we had a name the church striving for sorry or striving for mediocrity, nobody would have said that. Oh, yeah, you, that's okay. People don't mind you being sorry. People don't mind you being subpar. People don't mind you be li- be living below your privileges and standards. They don't mind it. But when you say, I'm striving for poor, nobody's perfect. I know that. But I'm still shooting for it. Amen. Still shooting for it. I knew I wasn't no A student. But every time I started the school year off, I thought I was going to get one A somewhere, even though it wasn't nothing but a PE. <laughs> I would look for at least one A. Come on. I, I wasn't looking for no A in chemistry. I wasn't looking for no A in biology. I knew I didn't have the brain power. But at the same time, I was looking for an A somewhere. I didn't go to school and say, I'm going to get all D's and just call it a day. No. I was shooting for the A, and when I got a C, knowing that I gave my best effort, I believe God was satisfied. Let me move on. I, I went so tall that was in my notes. Let me, I'm just having fun right now. Genesis 17. Go there real quick. Genesis chapter 17. Here we see God made a covenant with Abram before he was called Abraham. And God set the bar high. He commanded him to walk blameless before him. Somebody say before him. See, God take, as I said, imperfect people and command them to pursue perfection as they serve him in earth. God does not want us to settle for anything less than striving to conform to his will. He already knows we will make mistakes, but he does not lower his standards. He expects us to pursue perfection in our goal on our way to he- as our goal on our way to heaven. Now, even though Abraham is considered the father of the faith, how many of you know Abraham made some mistakes as he pursued the Lord? You know, God had made him a promise before that, hey, look, you're going to have a son. But him and his wife got impatient. They didn't trust God enough to believe it, so she decides she's going to send her handmaiden into him. And now we got Ishmael, who come before Isaac, all because they got impatient with God. Now, God could have said, because of that error, Abe, I ain't going to use you no more. But now when he says, God, God tell him, I'm going to change your name and I'm going to bless you in spite of your error, because I see something in you that you may not see in yourself, and I believe you shoot for the next level, you can get there. And then as Abraham grew in the Lord, he got to the next level when God asked him to sacrifice his only son, with the only legitimate son, because he already had another son by Hagar. 
And when Abraham passed that test, he went to the next level. Sometimes tests come in your life in order to take you to the next level. Don't look at all tests and challenges that come in your life as something to take you down. They may be designed to take you. Y'all better hear me today. And look at this in Genesis chapter 17. It says, when Abraham was 99 years old. Some of y'all ain't but 20. Now, if he can talk to a 99-year-old and motivate him to do some things, surely he can talk to somebody 20 years old and get them to do some things. Some of y'all ain't just 40 years old. You got a lot of life left if the Lord says so. Amen. And he needs you to be shooting for perfection in your general. So don't let, well, you know, you know, some of us are getting old, but we still got life. And as long as we got life, health, and strength, we got to still shoot for her. I mean, yeah, well, you know, I done turned six, seven now, so I guess I'll stop shooting. No, man, I got to get better. The son just got to think about, I got to get better. So Abraham was 99 years old. Now, granted, I know some of y'all scholars, well, you know, back then they lived longer. Well, they did. That is a true statement. You know, Abraham lived to be 175, so he had, you know, 70-something years left. But I did some math on that. He was 56% of his life complete when God called him. So if we use today's math, you know, that's talking to y'all who about 35 to 40. Because based on the standard of 70, you about 50-some-odd percent of your way of where you're going. Now, you may get more, but if we just use that as a barometer, so now some of you who are in your 35 to 40, you're in the prime of your life. God ought to be able to call you just like he called Abraham and tell you to live perfect before the people that he placed you in front of. Now, look at this. Look at this. He said, when Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abraham and said to him, I am almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. 99 years old. God didn't lower the, black, the standard for an old man. He told him, I still expect you to walk before me and be blameless. Now look here, I want to stop right there at that walk before me. See, you got to understand what God was saying. When someone walked before you, that means they're in front of you and you are seeing everything that they... See, if our children would walk before us, they would be all right. It's when they start walking behind us and we can't see them, rascals, that they do things that we don't want them to do. So what this is telling us as believers, we got to always live as though we are walking before God as if he is looking at everything that we do. And if I got that in my mindset, my chances of going to the next level in my pursuit of perfection is going to be better because when I get ready to do something foolish, I'm going to think, whoa. <laughs> I look over my shoulder, whoa. <laughs> God see this. Everybody else may not be there. Everybody else may not see it. Pee-wee, but God see this. And so he says, Abraham, walk before me and be. We ain't going to cut the food if we think God looking at us. We cut the food. We think God's invisible out of sight and he don't exist like that. But when we believe, when we get spiritual and say he's everywhere and he's all-knowing, all-wise God, an omnipresent God, then we got to live like he is everywhere. And if we live and walk before him, then we will live in a way that will pursue perfection. Nobody want to cut the food and they really think God is looking at him. So he says, 
I am almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. And look what he says, the promise. And I will make my covenant between me and you, and you will multiply and will multiply you exceedingly. So, so God said, if you walk before me in the right way, I will bless you. I ain't got time to read all the rest of me. Change the name, and then Abraham became the father of many nations. You know, he multiplied his seed, and his seed became many. And you know what? All major religions trace their roots back to Abraham. Mm-hmm. That's why when you talk to someone, a Muslim, they don't call him Abraham, they call him Ibrahim. Same guy. Because they trace their roots back to him. And so what we got to see is that God took this imperfect man and allowed him to walk before him blameless, and God fulfilled his promise and told him he was going to be the father of many nations. So I say to you, God expects us to level up and not level down. You know, God didn't call you to decline in your relationship with him. He expects you to go to the next level in your relationship. See, there are a lot of people right now during COVID, they're in decline mode. They're not leveling up. They're leveling. Leveling down is not an option if you're going to pursue perfection. You just can't settle for mediocrity and say, I'm just going to stay here and I'm going to just ease on down back into where I came from. That is not an option. You're going to have to continue to pursue excellence and pursue perfection even during this time of COVID. Man, if you can't come to church, read more, pray more, meditate more, speak to God and commune with God more and more and more in your time at home so that you'll continue to be growing so when you get back together, we all get back together, we all will have made some progress instead of regress. Man, I would hate for you to come back to church after a year and got to start all over. I forgot the law's prayer. <laughs> they, say, they say that to stop the dinner. I forgot how to say the Lord's Prayer. I mean, <laughs> oh, Lord, have mercy. I don't know why the Holy Spirit put that in my heart. I, let me move on. Go to Deuteronomy. Y'all ain't going to like this one, man, because this, this one was tough. Go to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 9 through 13. Now, in this, we see in Moses' instruction to the children of Israel before they entered the promised land, he made it abundantly clear that God expected them to live blameless before him. Even though they were going into an environment where occult practices were common, especially among the pagan religions. religions. God did not lower his expectation or standard. He still expected them to pursue perfection as they dispossessed the people in the land. In other words, he expected them to walk blameless before him as they dislodged and dispossessed those people who were in the land. God did not want them to adopt those wicked customs in that land that would lead them to evil. And see, what you got to see is this. Sometimes when you pursue perfection, you have to dispossess some things in your life that will hinder you from your progression toward perfection. 
In other words, you got to oust some things. You got to kick some things out of your life. And that's why you know some of you done got to that point right You You may need a hint right here. Lord, right now, I done got to this point in my life now. I thought I done got rid of all the stuff I need to get rid of, God, and I can't get to the next level. Just give me a, give me a hint. Give me a word. Speak something to me. Let me say something to me while I'm meditating, while I'm praying, God. Even if I'm riding down the road, give me a, give me a hint, God. Give me something that's going to take me to my next level in you so that I can dispossess some things. See, COVID got us possessing some stuff that we weren't possessing before COVID. And God has given you a hint to say it's time for you to dispossess some stuff. I ain't going to take you out of COVID, but in the midst of COVID, you got to, y'all better follow me today, you got to dispossess some stuff. You know, some of us watching too much TV during COVID. I mean, we, you know, we TV in, TV out. I got stuff on my TV I ain't never known. I had my daughter them got me on Hulu, Zulu, Amazon Prime, all that stuff I done. I'm saying now, if I was a fanatic, man, I'd never have time for Jesus. Because all them things got some good stuff on them all the time at my fingertip. I mean, at my fingertip. So now what I had to do, Jesse, I had to say, I got to dispossess some of this stuff here. I can't, I can't watch all this. I mean, if I watch all this, I ain't going to do too much studying. If I watch all this, if I'm Huluing and Zuluing and, you know, <laughs> priming and, y'all know, don't try to sit here and play me Disney. Your kids got Disney out now. They ain't got no Jesus, but they got Disney, Disney, Disney. Disney, Disney, Disney. Zantel, you competing with the Disney Channel during COVID. But you're doing a good job. You win the battle because you're shooting for perfection with them little rascals, and they're coming in. And so what I'm trying to tell you, God is telling us sometimes we got to dispossess some stuff. You know, because I was young, when the first one came out, I figured I owe it to myself to watch the second one. So, so because I got... But Prime, Amazon, Kwanda got it. I'm just on her account. <laughs> I figured I'd watch me some coming to America, too. Yes. You know, because I was back in the day when the first one came out, you know what I mean? I was kind of straddling the fence, you know? So I just want to see how the things changed. And, you know, I, I sit there and watch it. You know, it didn't make me want to sin, but I did say, man, what else is on Prime? <laughs> I'm tired of watching CNN and ESPN. What else on Prime? Then I had to catch myself. I don't need to get caught up in Prime because if I get caught up in Prime, I may lose Jesus somewhere along the way. Ain't nothing wrong with Prime, but you got to deal with Prime in moderation. Somebody here came here today, you, you getting a hint. God's trying to give some of you a hint right now, telling you to dispossess them. Look at this. Deuteronomy. Let me read this. See, God done put these folks in this position, and he wants them to excel in the midst of all this foolishness. And some of this stuff y'all are familiar with because it's happening today. Look at this. I'm in, in, in Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 9. It says, when you go into the land which the Lord your God is giving you, 
you shall not learn. Somebody say learn. He said you shall not learn to follow the abomination of those nations. In other words, see, if you're going to go to the next level, you can't learn from everybody. Everybody that's in your life and everybody that's around you is not learning material. You, you just can't learn from anybody. You can't listen to anybody. You can't listen to anything. God is telling you, hey, you got to pick and choose the right people that you're going to learn from. And you ought to be learning from his word. Amen. I'm going to show you that here in a minute. He said, now, you, you just can't follow the abomination of those nations. America and the world we live in, man, there's craziness going all around us. And you can't learn from all the craziness that's going on. Because if you start learning from the craziness that's going on, it will get you off of your pursuit toward proof. And then you'll start selling for mediocrity, average and subpar, because you're learning from the wrong source. Now, I don't mind you learning widely, but man, consider all the sources that you learn from. Amen. So God told him, hey, look, when you go over there, you can't follow those folks' practices. You can't do what they do. If you do that, they're going to pull you away from me. Now, look what he tell them. There shall be, not be found among you anyone who makes his son or his daughter pass through the fire. In other words, you can't get over that and be practicing no human sacrifice or offering your children up to idol gods or, you know, consecrating them to idol gods. Now, look at this. Or one who practice witchcraft. Well, you know, we live in a world now where witchcraft is okay. I mean, witches are everywhere. They're even in the military. Because witchcraft is a form of religion. I mean, so you can be a warlock or a witches or whatever you call them. Witch, the witcher, I don't know, the warlock is the guy, right? I don't know if the lady is just, she's just a witch. I guess, I don't know, I don't know enough about them. But they're everywhere. And if you ain't careful... Your children could be practicing witchcraft right under your nose because they're in the schools. So you came here to church day for you, me to tell you, you need to go back and evaluate who your children are hanging with and what they're learning. Now, I'm not trying to tell you to put a noose on to keep them from doing things that are beneficial to them, but I'm trying to tell you, you're a Christian, and they shouldn't be practicing on witchcraft in your house. You got to go to school with them. We got to serve with them in the military. But I ain't going to be no witch. And I ain't going to the ceremony. Amen. Because God tell me, hey, I can't, I can't, uh-uh, I, 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 I can't learn from them. Because I start learning from them, I be having pentagrams and all kind of stuff upside down. I can't learn from them. Let me move on. I, I, I wasn't supposed to be hard on the witches. But since they're in the Bible, God hard on them. Or a soothsayer. <laughs> That's a nice way to say y'all who go see y'all reader. You know, you got to let them look at your lifeline. Somebody tell the future. They all in here. You know, I see them going up and down the street, little stars on their little outside signs. They come on in, I can tell you what's going to happen to you tomorrow. Let me look at your hand. You know, back in the day when I was dumb, that's, that's your money line right there. Yeah, that's your money line. You that, that's your lifeline right there. Ooh, ooh look like you're going to have a long, strong life. Long, <laughs> strong life. I mean, look into my head. <laughs> you know, he said, look here. Folks still doing that today. There are folks out there now that don't believe that, you know, they can trust God for tomorrow. They got to believe they got to go and let somebody read their palm. 
Yeah, fortune teller. Leaving cookies out of Chinese food restaurants. <laughs> I mean, you crack that little cookie, this is my fortune. This is what they say. This is what they say. Like the, like the Chinese man knew you were going to come and eat that today, and he done put that cookie there for you. That's all in your head. And I, and I guarantee you that some Christians done probably played them numbers on the back. <laughs> Ain't nothing wrong with it. I mean, okay, if that's why you feel like God going to bless you to hit the lottery, then you're going to get you a Chinese meal and crack it open and go play you them six. But I'm telling you, that ain't God's best for you. I tell you, that ask God, if you're going to play it, say, God, just drop six in my, in my spirit. Just drop six numbers on me. Let me just flip the Bible to six numbers of scripture, then bam, bam, bam. That one, man, don't go to the restaurant. You can get that for free. You ain't got to eat no meal to get that if that's what you want. Now, I ain't endorsing that, but, you know, I'm not saying that playing numbers, is, you know, trying to hit the lottery is a sin. So if you're leaning that way, I'm just trying to help you hit it. If you lean in that way, <laughs> I'm, trying to, I'm trying to help you hit it. But I ain't lean. I don't lean that way. I don't been there. Oh, Lord, this is in the Bible. Let me, let me, let me stop playing. Let me stop playing. He, he, he says, he said, now look, witchcraft or soothsayers or one who interpret omens, you know, look out the stars, the signs, Birds flying over. Ooh. That's what that means. The birds just flew over here. This is what's going to happen to you now. Oh, no, man. God didn't put my fate in the hands of no birds flying overhead. Or one who interprets a uh, sorcerer, you know, a magic worker. Black magic, they call it white magic, any kind of magic that is not God's magic. God said you can't hang out with it. A one who conjure up spells. You know, root workers. You know, conjure up some goofy dust for you later. <laughs> you know, make a little doll out of you. Conjure up spells and then start sticking you. <laughs> you know, man, I, <laughs> you can't, come on now. Y'all can't believe in that stuff. God said, man, if you believe in that kind of stuff, it's going to pull you away from perfection. He knew that. These things will pull us away from pursuing him. The only true and living God. Because when we got him, we don't need all these. He says, on mediums, on spiritists, a one who called up the dead. That's what Saul did. He, you know, he tried to call up Samuel to find out. Man, God, then bless that. They call that neomacracy or something like that. Now, y'all didn't want to talk to him while they was living. <laughs> so now why are you going to call them up when they're dead? You hadn't spoke to them for years. I mean, then all of a sudden now they're dead, you all of a sudden want to go call them up and talk to them. Just think about that. That just don't make no sense if you say. God done gave you a ability to call them up now while they're living. If he speak to your spirit and tell you to talk to them now, don't put it off till tomorrow. Because when you get to the point that you regret that you didn't make the call, then you'll buy into this that I can call them up. Tell them I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I wish I could have I I treated you better. You better tell them that now. Now, 
let me, let me move on, man. I, I didn't know they were going to get me stuck right here, but I'm going to move on. He says, for all who do these things are an abomination to the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord your God drives them out from before you. Look at verse 13. And you shall be blameless before the Lord your God. Look at this, verse 14. For these nations you will dispossess. Listen to, listen, listen to soothsayers and diviners. But as for you, the Lord your God has not appointed such for you. God didn't call you to depend on those outside sources when you can be talking to him directly. You know, I know some of y'all still reach a horoscope, but you don't need that. You don't need to know whether you're Pisces or Sagittarius or Leo the Lion or Gemini the Twin or whoever you are. You ain't got to get the paper and go to that section and see, well, what the law trying to show me today? Proverbs 1. That's what the law trying to show you today. Proverbs 2. He's saying just pick up a proverb every day and read one, and you'll probably figure out how your day is going to be. You ain't got to go buy the newspaper and go look up for your horror. Is that the word horror? Horror? Scope? Horror? Horror? Scope? I mean, just the name ought to let you know that. <laughs> and the reason I'm saying it because these things still exist today, and there are people who say they got a relationship with a holy God that still believe in this, and that leads to superstition. And so when we start believing in superstition, it takes us away from the perfect worship of God. And this is all aimed at worship. He's saying, look, you don't need none of these things to worship me. Your worship can be pure and perfect with me without any of these things. In fact, I have already prescribed to you how to worship me. You don't need to add any of these things to your worship of me and think you're going to make it perfect. We got to dispossess some things. Somebody say dispossess. Go to my last turn. Last turn. Psalms 19. Psalms 19. Psalms 19. In this passage, David revealed to us that the all-knowing, self-sufficient God who expects us to pursue perfection left us his inspired word, which, he revealed, which reveals his character clearly to us. And he let us know that God's word is perfect flawless and complete. And the more we strive to live in accordance with it, the more we will progress in our pursuit of perfection. Now the first part of this psalm, major, you're going to get a kick out of this because this connects to what you and Lathan were talking about in Bible study. The first part of this psalm, is talking about how God used nature and creation to show man who he was. But then he said, now, nature and creation and all the things they can look around and see and get a sense in their spirit to know that there is a God is not enough. So just in case they can't interpret nature, no seeded me in the stars and the moon, see, I, I created all this. Just in case they can't do that, I'm going to give them my perfect word. Then they won't have no excuse for not knowing who I am. Because if they follow my perfect word, then they will be able to grow and pursue perfection. So that's what this passage, that's the backdrop of this passage. David was trying to get us to see that we have no excuse because God left us no excuse. Perfection is his idea. And so therefore, because it's his idea, he has to give us the tools that we need that will help us to achieve the goal that he set before us. And if not necessarily get absolute perfection on this side, 
at least allow us to pursue it and level up as we strive for the absolute. Amen. Now look at this, y'all in Psalms 19, verse 7. I'm going to read from the New Living this time. It says, the instructions of the Lord are perfect. The instructions there it mean that the word of God, all these things are references to the word of God. Whether we're talking about his commandments, whether we're talking about his precepts, whether we're talking about anything, it all boils down to the word of God. So in all these things that he talked about here, you find right here in this book. Everything that he lists here, you find right here. So if you get an intimate knowledge of what's here, you can get a good idea of what God is like and what God expects and what God will and will not do, how he operates in certain parts of your life and what he will do in your life. He said, look, it's all right here. And if you don't have some understanding of this, you're not going to understand God. You're going to still be looking, trying to understand him through nature when he said, look, I don't need you to look to nature now. I left you a perfect... We walk around with a perfect word and we won't read it. We won't study it. We won't meditate on it. We won't do the things that's required to help us strive and shoot for a pro. So those of us who understand that, we're without excuse. He said, look here. The instructions of the Lord are perfect. Reviving the soul. In other words, look, your soul may be down. You may be going through some things depressed. This word can bring you back. And if you're lost and in, in, in living in, in sin, this word can save your life to the point of your eternal life, having a relationship with a holy. The word of prayer, it can revive your soul. There's some people out there now whose souls need to be revived, and we need to go and share the word of God with them. Because some people are depressed and oppressed. You know, COVID done got the best of them. But I guarantee you the reason COVID done got the best of most people because the word is no longer running rampant in their life. You can't replace God's word with something else during this time we're living in and think that you're going to survive and, and, and come out of this with a next level. No, you're going to be at a lower level if you are living in COVID without the word, trying to live and navigate your way through this situation with your own intellect, your own bright ideas. You better go to the Bible and confirm your ideas off this word. I ain't, I ain't saying that God can't inspire you and give you some great thing to come up with, but you ought to be able to find that, hey, this line up with his, with his word. This word can revive the soul. Look here. The decrees are just another way of saying the word. The word, decrees of the Lord are trustworthy. Somebody say trustworthy. In other words, I mean, you can trust this Bible. It's been tested. You can trust it. You can depend on it. It's sure and reliable. Look here. And this is what it will do for some of us. Especially me. It did this for me. I don't know about y'all. But it will make the wise, making wise the simple. I'm glad he put that one right there. Because I, I was the simple. And you know, I, I wasn't well learned. I wasn't an A student, Kim Wanda. I, 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 you know, I, just, I, I was a C student all the way through school. So I wasn't the smartest rock in the box. I didn't, I, you know, I wasn't intellectually astute. You know, I didn't have what some people had. I didn't have the brain power. Even if I tried hard on algebraic equation, equation it still stumped me. You know, I'm sitting there trying to date, trying to put x squared 2 in the exponent of 3. Man, I ain't got a clue. I got out of algebra by the skin of my teeth. And when I got out, I wasn't going back because I knew I wasn't going to be no mathematician. 
but I wish I had spent a little bit more time with algebra because I understand all mathematical equations, all mathematical systems come from algebra. But because I was simple, I have to rely on this word to make me... And now the difference between wisdom and intellect. There, there, there are a lot of intellectually smart people, but as far as wisdom, they make dumb decisions. And so what I'm trying to tell you, this Bible can make you wise. If you get into it and you read and you study, it will make wise the simple. You'll be able to hold your own with anybody if you know God's word. You won't be intimidated about people's education and degrees. And I, I'm applaud that. I got a set of daughters that got all kinds of degrees. And they can talk circle around me in that degree. But when it comes to wisdom, when it comes to their sitting down, let's talk about what makes good common sense, wise move. Look here, put all that stuff you're going to learn to the side right now. Let's just get the Bible and see what God's word has to. Because I believe that wisdom comes from a. There are some smart lawyers out there that break the same laws that they put folk in jail for. They, they, they'll put your children in jail for using crack and cocaine, and they snort. Why? Because they don't have wisdom. So don't confuse wisdom with intellect and smarts. I applaud smarts. I, when I look back, I wish I could have been smarter. And I don't know if this genetically coded or I just didn't apply myself enough. I don't know what it is. I, 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 don't, I don't have the, you know, the background to research how the mind is made up to see, could I have been a little Einstein? You know, could I have been, you know, could I have been a little Einstein if I had put my mind to myself? And then, but I wish somebody would say, Boulder, no matter how much you try, buddy, you ain't got the matter up here to be an Einstein. I because if that's the case, then that means all of us ought to be able to be equal when it comes to smart. So I'm believing that maybe that is something that, you know, everybody don't have the same intellectual capability and capacity. But we can all have wisdom. We can all have wisdom. He said he make wise the simple. That's why when Paul was talking about he'll confound the wise with this word. Because the things of God don't make sense to the person with a lot of intellect sometimes. Look at this, verse 8. The commandments of the Lord are right. Somebody say right. God's not going to tell you to do anything that's wrong, and they'll bring joy to your heart. This Bible is supposed to make you feel good. This word's supposed to make you feel good. It brings joy deep down in your heart because you realize that, hey, God loved me enough to save me and to send his son to die for me, so therefore I get joy deep down in my heart when the Bible revealed to me just how much God loves me. The commands, again, talking about the word, of the Lord are clear, giving insight for living. In other words, God is not trying to confuse you with this Bible. He wants to give you insight that will help you live as you pursue perfection. This is a guide, this is a road map that God has left us. And if we follow this road map, it will give us insight for living. It'll tell us how we ought to live and the things we ought to do and how we ought to navigate our world, our way through the world that we're living in. The Bible can do that. Look at this. The reverence for the Lord is pure. In other words, in order to really appreciate God's word, 
you got to have a true reverence and respect for the one who gave the word. If you don't truly love God and reverence and respect him, then you're not going to have respect for this word. And when you get that level of reverence and respect for God's word, then that level will be enduring. It will last forever. You ought to always, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of understanding. In other words, not, not that I'm afraid of God. He's my heavenly father. But I reverence him and respect him and always re remind, be reminded of who he is and, and what he does and how he expects things from me. I got that type of relationship with him. And because I got that relationship with him, it can be ever it's supposed to last forever. We're supposed to live with him for the laws of the Lord are true. And each one is fair. God is a just God. He's a fair God. He don't show partiality. Maybe we've been talking about that. He's not impartial. He ain't going to play favorites. What, what this Bible say to one of us, it say to all of us. Amen. And we can't slice it and dice it and pick and choose the parts that we like. We got to deal with the whole thing. Amen. Because in the end, we want to be better and we want to continue our pursuit of perfection and we want to go to the next level, but you can't go there without a, the imperfect, the, without the perfect word leading and guiding you. You can't read imperfect documentation and think that you're going to get spiritually strong. You got to read this holy word of God. I don't care what translation you get, just read something. You know, people fight over King James, New King James, just read something. If you're reading a New Living Baby version, I trust it's going to teach you some things that you need to know to go to the next level. Let me go and finish this up. Look at this. Verse 10 says, this is powerful. Y'all got to get this. They are more, the day they're talking about that is talking about all them word, versions of the word that we just got through reading about. They are more desirable than gold, even the finest gold. Talking about pure gold. Now, you know, you know, there's gold, and there's gold, and there's pure gold. Those of you who have seen and understand pure gold, y'all know the difference between that and eight carat, 12 carat, 14 carat. I mean, y'all know the difference. Some of y'all know the difference, man. You know, when, when you come across 24 carat gold, 30 carat, whatever that highest carat is, and you put that next to eight carat, you don't never want to go back to 8 carat. 8 carat ain't got no bling. It don't even shine. Look yellow. Don't even look gold. Now I ain't knocking that. I, we got to start somewhere. You know, everybody can't afford. But he's saying people pursue pure gold. And he says your desire for this word got to be the same as a person's desire to have pure, pure gold. You know, I, I tell people, you know, some, you know, Lady Jeanette had one I got around my neck right now. Little bot chain. This thing is pure. I mean, it's serious. Compared to the other one that I bought myself. <laughs> I, I, I mean, the little hooks on that thing, you can just turn with your hand and put them back in place. That blew my mind. That's, that's, that's gold. That's hard. That's supposed to break. No, because I was wearing stuff before that was inferior, and when you twist it, it broke. 24 carat. Now get this. When you experience that and you start pursuing that, he's telling us that you got to pursue the word just like you pursue that. You got to have a hunger and you got to have a thirst for the word just like you can pursue 
natural things, material things. He said, you get that level of pursuit for God's word and you pursue it like that, man, you got to desire this thing. You got to wake up wanting to know and hear something from God. He said, even after you talk about the finest gold, he says, the word, they are sweeter than honey. Even honey dripping from the cone. So there must be a difference between the honey that's dripping out the cone than the one you get out the jar. <laughs> what you get out the jar is inferior to the one that you get out the cone. That's why you can find some honey keeper, beekeepers, they just cr- cut off a piece and just start eating it. That is the best. That is the purest. That is the finest. That We never experienced that because left in there is a little bit of the lobby. And some of you say, oh, I can't eat no lobby. <laughs> oh, you just ain't used to eating the best. That's like some of you, I can't eat no caviar. You just, because look, look, you just ain't used to. You may not taste yet, but once you taste the best, you may pursue the once you done tasted a New York strip or porterhouse, you, you don't want to go back to Chuck and Swank and all that. I mean, you, you don't want to go back to something to break your knife. No. I mean, you want to eat the stuff that you can just cut with a fork. And when you chew, you ain't got to fight it. Talk, talk now, y'all meetings late. You don't want to eat stuff that you got. <laughs> <laughs> and, get it. and then by the time you get it, you don't even want it no more. You don't even eat the whole thing. And so you say, when you understand the best, when God's word is so good to you and so pure to you, look here, you can eat it and boy, you enjoy it. You enjoy the taste of it. You enjoy it because it don't put you through a whole lot of trouble to enjoy it. And that's what I'm trying to tell you. So he's saying, look, you got to pursue this word. And if you pursue this word and if you make it desirable more so than gold and honey, then guess what? It'll take you to the next Level. You'll be able to level up. You'll get some XP points. You know, you'll be able to go on to the next level. Then look at the promise. They are a warning. Somebody say a warning, the word. A warning to your servant. This Bible and this word can keep you out of trouble. It can give you some warnings and give you advice and let you know when something is coming that's, that you need to be aware of. This word has the potential to speak to your heart and your mind and your soul in such a way that gives you insight. And that's what so many Christians need. We need insight. We need discernment. And look, it comes from this word. Man, everything we're not going to get from the news report. Something God just got to give us a sense in that this is not right. This is not what we ought to be doing. I got to be on the lookout for this. I can see what the devil is trying to do. He's trying to set a trap for me. So God, your word is designed to give me a warning. When the word is being preached to you or prayed over you, you ought to be listening. See if there's a warning in there. Is someone trying to give me a warning so that it won't, so that I can go to the next level in the Lord? Look at this. And once this happens, they are a warning to your servants, a great reward. Somebody say a great reward for those who obey them. In other words, he's saying, look, when you allow this word to become a primary source of your instruction in your life, God will reward you and he'll take you to the next level. And, and look here. Yes. Yes, yes. You can do that even if you're simple. 
even if you're simple. You can become, become well-learned in this, and you'll be able to hold your own when it comes to the Word of God with anybody. You don't need a PhD in theology and all that. You just need readology, studyology, get you some helpsology, and read and let the Holy Spirit lead you. I ain't nothing going to school. Go to school and get the technical stuff. But look here, sometimes folks come out of seminary dumber than they were before they went in. Because sometimes they get diluted. The Bible says that God can make you wiser than your elders. We got to trust God's word, especially if we want to go to the next level in perfection. We cannot get there apart from this. Everything we do, and I heard the men talking today that was so profound. Somebody say, man, you got to connect what we're trying to do to the word. You want it to work, you got to connect it to the word. You got to find a principle in the word that we're trying to pursue. We just can't bring in all the popular thinking and popular culture talk and all that. No, no, let's see what does the Then that we're going to accept what the words say and not what other folks say based upon their opinion. Just let's trust God's opinion. Just trust his word because it's the word of God that's going to sustain us. And this word is going to live forever. Heaven and earth may pass away, but my word, my word, I need to be reading and studying something that's going to last forever. I'm through preaching now. I hope y'all got something out of this today, you know. I'm just talking about in pursuit of perfection. And you know, as we go on, I'm going to show you that text that I read was talking about how we need to perfect our love. That was the whole context of what Jesus was trying to teach his disciples that, hey, y'all need some perfect love. Y'all need to know what perfect love is all about. So we're going to get there. Today I was just trying to make the case that God has already established the standard before us and he's not going to lower the bar because we want to be mediocre and average and subpar. So we might as well shoot for the ceiling. And if you hit the lights, you're close. Amen. Just look at these lights up here. If you, if you shoot for the ceiling and you just hit one of them lights, you're in better position than you are. You'll be still down here waddling on the floor. Raise your sights. Challenge your children to shoot and strive for a pro. Challenge them. Those little gymnastic children you got, when they get on them beans and them bars, guess what they be shooting for? They be shooting for a 10. Because a 10 is, you don't get up on the bar and say, well, you know, I think if I hit seven today, I'll be all right. No, you hit seven, you may break your arm. You better get up there and shoot for 10. And if you get a nine and a half on the way there, you're going to be all right. I'm done. Every head bow and every eye closed. Hallelujah. Get a lot of hand clap of praise if you will. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I have several appeals for you. My first appeal is for salvation. Everything starts with our relationship with Jesus Christ. God set the perfect plan in place so that those who are lost can come back to him. He sent his son Jesus to die for each and every one of us while we were still imperfect, while we were still sinners. Jesus died. But once he died, he opened the door for everybody to have an opportunity to be saved. 
And so if you're online today or you're in the church today and you never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I ask that you would just raise your hand and say, yes, Pastor, I want to give my life to the Lord. I've been at the full level, but I want to go to the next level. I believe there's a higher place in the Lord for me than where I am at now. I see one hand that is raised in here. I see a hand that is raised. Would that be another? 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 If you raise your hands, I will ask that you be kind enough and bold enough to get up. Go with Sister Pam. They're going to get some information from you, and we'll talk to you uh, after the service is over. Why don't we give the Lord a hand clap of praise? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You may be here. You, you, you may be here. You may be online. If you want to give your life to the Lord online today, then just give us a call, 862-3899, area code 850. Someone will take your call and definitely pray with you and lead you to salvation. You may be here today, and you don't hear the point where you, you, you was listening to me just today so that you can go to the next level. You don't got to a point where you need a hint. And, and right now, God is giving you a hint. You may say, I done fell into a, a state where I got stagnant with the Lord. I'm no longer walking like I used to walk before him. I'm starting to back up a little bit. But the word today spoke to my heart and telling me I need to start going back up the ladder instead of coming down the ladder. If that is you today, you done kind of stopped and got a little lackadaisical in your relationship with the Lord. I ask for you to raise your hand. Raise your hand. If you're here, raise your hand. If you're online, I just ask that you please make that call. Make that call because you need to know God is still married to you. He's still in relationship with you. Even though you may be a child that has turned your back on him, he won't turn his back on you. He's just waiting on you to level up, to come back to him and let him know that, that you're back in the right track. You're back in the right direction, going the right direction to pursue perfection. So if that is you, please make that call. If you're here today and you're looking for a church home, whether you're online or in the house today and the Spirit of God is speaking to you, we extend the invitation to you to be a part of this ministry. If that is you, please raise your hand. If you're online, please make the call. Truly, we would love to have you a part of this ministry. We're a teaching ministry. We want to continue to challenge our members to grow to completeness in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Hence, our name, Striving for Perfection. Not that we are, but we definitely shoot for it. Amen. So if God is leading you to be a part of this ministry, please, please, please make that call now or raise your hand. Raise your hand. Amen. I see no hands. Then my last is for prayer. If you've got a prayer concern, I just ask that you raise your hand at your seat or online, and I will make a, 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 a prayer right now for, for those of you raising your hand or for, and for the body of the whole. I see your hand. Amen. God already knows what you have need of. I see your hand. God already knows what's in your heart. And as I pray, I ask that you just, in your own way, take your prayer to the Lord yourself. Because Jesus rent the veil of the temple so that you can have access to a holy God. That you can speak to him in your own way, in your own language, at your own level. And he will receive your conversation with him. Let us pray. Eternal God, our Father, we honor you and give you thanks on today. We thank you, God, for your word. We thank you for your son. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. And God, now as we go forth, we just ask that you move over the hearts and minds of your people, God. Speak to them right now, wherever their needs are. You said if they could make their requests known unto you, God. And that's what they're coming to do now, God. They come to make their requests known unto you. And I ask that you would incline your ear down, God, 
You know each and every request, God. You know what's on their mind. You know their concerns, their problems, their issues, the things they like, dislike, God. You know everything about them. You know the things that's pressing on them right now and got them in a place, God, where they're feeling uncomfortable. But right now, God, I pray that you just speak to their hearts right now, God. Speak to them in a mighty way, God, and show them what you are going to do and show them what they need to do, God, because we believe that you know all things. We're not bringing something to you that you're not aware of, God. We're bringing something to you that you already know about. And so, God, we're just letting you know that we trust you. That's why we offer up our prayers to you, God. We're looking for an answer from you. We're looking for a word from you, God. We're looking for something that will give us peace, something that will restore our joy, something, God, that will give us the direction that we need in this time that we're living in. And God, right now, on behalf of each and every person in here and everybody that raised their hand online, I ask that you please answer their prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.